we're talking about it. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML. Hey, it's Hamilton Today. I'm Curtis Thompson, Scott's son. Ted and Diana are in the newsroom. Will is on the board. How cool is it? Hamilton is getting another great cup in 2023. Now, that is a second wave. Oh, I'm sorry. Too soon for pandemic humor? Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's Scott Thompson. All right, it is 308. It is 900 CHML. I'm Scott Thompson. It is Hamilton today. Uh, Will Weber on the board, as opposed to Will Erskine. Maybe I uh, noticed a change in the tunage there. And, of course, uh, Ted Michaels, Diana Weeks in the newsroom. And, as always, on Hamilton Today, we let uh, the cast, I guess is a good choice of word today, uh, pick the top hour tune. Will Weber filling in for Will Erskine today. He gets the nod. He brought in the tune. And, Will, you never cease to amaze me with your taste in music. <laughs> Because, Will, the last time I saw you, you had hair, uh, and you looked like a heavy metal guy. So, and I know you love that. I know you love the monster truck and all that stuff, and, and even beyond that. So, explain, this sounds like musical theater. This sounds like a Broadway tune. It is. It's from the Broadway musical adaptation of the movie Heathers. <laughs> so... Uh, would you describe your cha- your your taste in music from uh, heavy metal to Broadway tunes heavy, and everything in between? Heavy metal, jazz classics, Broadway tunes. Uh, I like Billie Eilish. Uh, you know, I'm all over the place. That is incredible. And when did you hear this song for the first time? Uh, just a few months ago, my roommates were telling me, "Hey, you like Broadway? Listen to this," and I took to it immediately. That is incredible. All right. Never ceases to amaze me. Good choice. Another choice. Will Weber uh, on the board filling in for uh, Will Erskine today. Uh, thanks for the choice. And, of course, Ted and Diana are going to be joining us on the roundtable, the big roundtable, coming up after the 4.30 news. So hang on for that. we got another jam-packed show for you. Hope you hang around for it. Our small biz today. Uh, not so small if you know uh, the hammer at all. Roma Bakery. Uh, and you know what it's about. The slab pizza. All of that. Uh, since 1952 and giving back and mentoring the next generation. We thought that was worthy of a small business appearance. We're going to talk about that coming up this hour. Also, as you know, the Ontario government has announced uh, that the new Ontario QR code is now available. Uh, It officially will. It was supposed to kick in by... Uh, I guess October 22nd, that's when it will be, uh, I guess the bugs worked out, what have you, but uh, just blammo when everybody is saying, where is the code? We're not knowing anything about it. Uh, if you checked your phone, it's on there now. You can download it. And you can. And, and oddly enough, my wife has already done it because her birthday falls in April. And uh, and the rest of us have to wait till later on in the weekend because it goes, you know, through cohort, obviously not to overload the system at once. And uh, easy peasy took her about five minutes. However, I should add, she did that with my daughter uh, on FaceTime. <laughs> so so I'm not sure, uh, you know, it might take me uh, 10 minutes as opposed to five minutes. Uh, but she, she said it was uh, easy to do. I, I took a peek at it and uh, there it is. So uh, good news that uh, it is available and people are starting to experiment with it uh, right now. So if your birthday is anywhere from January to April, uh, you can you can download that now. We'll talk about that coming up a little later on. How easy it is to uh, operate this new QR code. How easy will it be for merchants as well? There's a Verify app that they download in order to connect all of this together. Again, we'll explain it to you coming up a little later on in the show. Also, the big news today, the U.S. border reopening November 8th. We've got a couple of different angles on this, including the business situation and how that relates. Also with Ian Lee uh, from Carleton University. Talk to him about Canada's deal with China to develop the vaccine for COVID-19. And uh, the final reports are in on that and what we did wrong and how we change this moving forward and get Canada back into this business by making it uh, obviously... um, um, 
uh, obviously making it uh, compatible, making it worth their while for Big Pharma or anyone for this matter. There's a lot of Canadian companies that want into this discussion, including companies like Providence uh, Therapeutics, who we've talked about on this show. And as I mentioned, the roundtable discussion, the big roundtable with Ted and Diana coming up after the 4.30 news. And, you know, we often hear when there's world events, situations like this, that it can affect the population. Sometimes there's a baby boom. Sometimes it's the opposite. What has happened through a global pandemic? How has it made life difficult for those planning a family or those that have just started one? Or has it made those thinking of starting one to wait and hesitate a little bit? Uh, as an old guy, I'd say just you know, there is never a right time to have kids. Uh, also coming up in the show, a former president, Bill Clinton, hospitalized yesterday. He's apparently quite stable, but we'll talk about that with our uh, Washington correspondent. Again, get the U.S. angle on the border reopening as well. And Larry DeAnne is going to be joining us in the last hour of the show. Uh, rumor has it he's uh, thinking about getting back into politics Uh, and taking over Chad Collins' old seat in Ward 5. Chad, of course, moved on as an MP. (laughs) Yeah, he's just free, and he's jumping back into it. Uh, we'll talk to him about that and, and uh, if it's all true and how it all moves forward and, and, and what his reasons are for doing such. Uh, it should be another jam-packed Friday, and it is an all-request Friday. So if you've got uh, 30 seconds of your favorite you want to hear, pass it on to Will Weber, uh, 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell, and he'll play 30 seconds of it. Send us a note, Scott Thompson at 900chml.com, and the phone line's always open, as I mentioned. Facebook and Twitter, too, you can access the poll question of the day on our Twitter page. And the poll question of the day, will you download that app? Will you download the new COVID-19 QR code? And I'm guessing that this is exactly going to mirror the uh, vaccination rates. So if you're vaccinated, yeah, you're probably going to download it because you want proof of that. And if you're not vaccinated, obviously you're not going to download it. So, uh, you know, uh, my guess is it'll it will mirror what our vaccination rate? And, oh, look at that so far, uh, just over 80% are saying yes. Now, on yesterday's poll question of the day, updating the school dress code, 52% say no. 52% say no, we don't want to update anything. No, 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 no. We don't want to move forward. We don't want to look at anything through today's lens. We want to still focus it through the lens of 19, pick your year. It amazes me sometimes. But, you know, the poll is not very scientific. If it's happening now, we're talking about it. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML. We cold-hearted the downloads to help ensure a smooth and seamless experience while ensuring that everyone can be ready well before the new enhanced certificate takes effect on October 22nd. As of 6 a.m. on October 18th, any individual, regardless of your birthday, will be able to log on and download. Premier Doug Ford uh, unveiling the new Ontario uh, COVID-19 certificate program uh, app. (laughs) I don't think that's the official word, but that's the best way to describe it. And of course, uh, this all uh, was to be finalized by October 22nd. Uh, and now it is slowly ble- uh, being rolled out. Those uh, born from January to April, uh, they can now download it if you go on the Ontario website. Actually, my my wife's birthday is in April, and she was able to uh, download hers and said it took like five minutes, and it was very, very easy to, uh, for her to do, although uh, we have to qualify that she did have my teenage daughter uh, on FaceTime at the same time guiding her through that. Uh, that being said, uh, we are moving forward, and uh, it looks like over the weekend more and more will uh, of this will, will roll out. We're seeing the poll question of the day asking you, how many of you will uh, take the Ontario government up on this and download this? Uh, 80% are saying yes. I'm guessing you're going to see whatever the vaccination rate is, you're going to see a mirror or close to it of people taking up uh, this this app, simply because if you're vaccinated, uh, you might as well be able to prove it. So uh, that being said, it'll be interesting to see how it all rolls out and, and how it is all finalized come October 22nd. Let's bring in Sabrina Nanji, founder of Queen's Park Observer, and is with us now. Sabrina, thanks for the time. I hope you're doing well. Hi, Scott. So uh, your thoughts on this, how does it work? Is it easy to do? As I mentioned, uh, my wife did it with the aid of my daughter. Uh, take us through the steps. What do you know about this? 
Yeah. So as of today, you can go on the government's website and, uh, you know, if you are, as you mentioned, born between January and April, you can get this enhanced version of those vaccine receipts that we've been, uh, you know, either carrying around a screenshot or a paper receipt of. You can now get a QR code for it. Uh, but you can't really do anything with that QR code until October 22nd, as you mentioned, until next week um, when everything comes into force, the proof of vaccination system. Uh, the app is available, Verify Ontario, it's called, for businesses to download, and they'll be able to scan the QR codes that us individuals uh, get on our new vaccine receipts, and we'll be able to do things like go to a Jays game, um, you know, eat a plate of chicken wings indoors, anything that you need a vaccine receipt for these days, that that's what this is going to make that a little more convenient. Um, I think that, you know, th there were a lot of leaks around this. Uh, it was good to have the premier up today and answer a couple of questions. I think, uh, you know, th they, they are saying that this, this might end up being temporary. They're already kind of, uh, you know, some would say maybe undermining it, as the opposition says, but they're also kind of, you know, just telling people that, that this isn't going to be in place forever. But I think that it uh, it's generally a good news story because, you know, this is uh, how we get out of the lockdowns that we've been having lately. This is how we get the get back to, you know, as close to normal as we can get uh, at, before pandemic days, I guess. So basically, everyone who has been vaccinated uh, goes to the website, downloads this QR code, which is very, very similar to what we've already downloaded with the proof of our vaccination. Uh, then it is up to the establishment, whether it's a gym, retail or or restaurant or what have you. They download or their service or whoever's working on the front line would download the Verify app. And that is used to uh, to verify what you have on your phone. Is that accurate? Exactly. Yeah. And, and it seems pretty straightforward. And I think, you know, this is just kind of um, a more convenient, uh, maybe secure way of, of doing things. Uh, you know, I mean, I've had my, a screenshot of my vaccine certificate. Uh, so I work at Queen's Park and now you need to show your vaccine certificate or a negative test to get into the building. And so uh, every day when I go in, security is asking me, where's your vaccine receipt? And so I I have a screenshot saved of it in my phone. You know, I know some people uh, at the ledge, they they, ha they have to ruffle through their paper receipts, that type of thing, you know, go through their inbox to find it. I think this is going to make things a little more convenient. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll see how the rollout goes. You know, some other provinces, Quebec had some issues when, when they brought out their system. Um, so I think it's, it's steady as she goes for now. I think it was a good thing for the government to release it a little, you know, a, a week earlier before it, it, uh, the system actually comes into force. I think that way people can play around with it now um, and maybe get used to the idea of, of showing their phones when they when they want to do certain activities. And Sabrina, what about those that do not have access to a smartphone? Well, that's I mean that's the other that's the other part of this, right? So you can you can call um, the one eight hundred number that the province has set up. So it's the same number that you call to get your vaccine shot um, to book the appointment. You can call the provincial line um, and get that email to you. That would also, you know, include folks who have that old red and white health card. They could call and get it emailed. You know, people can print it off, um, a paper copy of it, and use that that restaurant. But I understand they'll actually send you, yeah. like, I understand they'll actually mail you a paper copy or certificate if that's the case, if that's what you need. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, accessibility was a major concern for a lot of people when when the system was going to be rolled out. There are a lot of folks that don't have, you know, access to a smartphone or even, um, you know, even my parents, they they find the systems a little confusing, too. And so, you know, just so that there are no issues, I think that uh, and for accessibility issues as well, um, I think that the government needed to, uh, you know, establish and lay out that they were covering all their bases before they brought this system in. I mean, obviously, we know a couple of other provinces are a little bit ahead of the game compared to Ontario. And um, I think the idea, or at least the hope, is that Ontario has looked at these other provinces and, and learned some lessons. And hopefully, uh, you know, we won't be experiencing those same issues. But I guess only time will tell there. Uh, many thought when this news conference was called yesterday that this was going to be about a uh, capacity issues with uh, protocol in regard to COVID-19 and such. And obviously, it's more about this app and, and this coming forward. Any more news? Uh, I understand next week they will uh, lay out more of what uh, the restaurants are looking for. 
Yeah, it seems to have been a week of leaks, I should call it, at Queen's Park. Um, And, you know, it it also seems to be kind of the MO of the Ford government that a lot of news when it comes to pandemic policy tends to leak before the official announcement. You know, the more cynical folks might think that that's a a bit of a political trial balloon to test, uh, engage the public's response. But yes, there's there's no, no official word, but what my sources and a lot of other reporter sources have been saying is that we're going to get word on, you know, step three, what what happens after step three, which Ontario has been in for, for a while now. Uh, you know, at what stage, what benchmarks are, are we going to need to see? When can we lift all the capacity limits, you know, especially restaurants who have been up in arms after theaters and sports arenas and other venues got to lift their capacity limits earlier. Um, and, and so we're going to see more details on that. Um, I think one thing that seems to be uh, the consensus amongst sources is that indoor masking is going to stay in place for for the foreseeable future. I don't think that's going away anytime soon. But I think that, you know, this generally is positive, uh, a positive news, uh, especially coming from the Ford government, that we're seeing that the end, the the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, Hmm. how we get out of the pandemic. I think that um, it's interesting that a lot of this news is dropping on Friday afternoons or, you know, today early early morning. Um, But on Fridays, you know, before a weekend, that's typically us reporters say that's that's your news dump day. That's the day where you drop bad news. And obviously, you know, the capacity limits last Friday before the long weekend, they got a lot of blowback from restaurants. So I think it's going to be a lot of um, the, it's going to be interesting to see how the Ford government spins this uh, going mm. forward, because I think that there there are positive angles to this, you know, lifting capacity limits should be a positive thing. But obviously, when you can't explain why it's only happening for one sector and not the other restaurants, then um, there, there's going to be some some uh, blowback around that. Sabrina and Angie with us, founder of Queens Park Observer. Sabrina, thanks for the time. As always, be well. Thanks, Scott. If you're all about drama and gossip, well, this isn't for you. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML. How easy is it to operate? We've uh, certainly heard from Sabrina and Angie of Queen's Park Observer and all the politics. Now let's look at the tech aspect of all this and bring in Ted Kritsanis, tech journalist and TV personality. Buy TeddyK.com to find out more. And Ted is with us now. Ted, thanks for the time. Hope you're well. Same with you. Thanks for having me. So what are your thoughts at first glance looking at uh, what has been unveiled today? Well, it's not an app. So the, the first thing that I think people, is, there's been some confusion, right? Because the Verify Ontario app, well, that's the one for businesses. Yeah, there's so two different aspects to this. There's what you download and then there's what the businesses download. So go ahead. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So the Verify Ontario, now that's an app, but that's for businesses. The QR codes, the vaccine certificates, are not effectively an app. You're not actually downloading an app to, to, to do this. Essentially what you're doing is you're, 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 you're getting an enhanced certificate that gives you a QR code. So it's, it's almost like you got a PDF after you got your second dose. You know, uh, you know, for people who got their vaccine dose, they got the second dose, they got a PDF sent to them by email, the, yeah. which we are, are the one, that's the thing we're showing right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Along with our uh, IDs to get in, so in this case, you're just you're essentially getting the same thing, only it's just in the form of a QR code. That's really all it is. So, uh, was all of this worth it? Did we already not have this? Because again, um, I downloaded my what I got, as you said, from the government prior to this all being available, and have used it to get into my mother's long-term care or my kid's hockey arena or what have you. Is there much difference from what we had and what we have? Is it all about security? Part of it is about security, and I can understand some people will be a little concerned, thinking, okay, well, what kind of information am I, am I giving up to get this? Uh, they only need the health card number, and uh, in my estimation, this is going to be limited. Uh, so the, the QR code will be used for as long as this mandate is in place, and then at that point afterward, it, it, it won't serve a purpose, so there will be no need for it whenever that will be. Uh, you can still go with the existing setup, though. So if you want to, if you prefer to go in and show that PDF, uh, you know, that, that document uh, that show that you got the second dose plus your ID, you're still allowed to do that. You are not obligated to, de- to do this QR code that has been, that has been released. Uh, so the government has made that clear. It's on the government website. It's not something I've made up. Uh, it is there. Uh, but if you want to get the QR code, you can, starting today, as long as you're born in the first four months of the year, 
and then the second four months are tomorrow, and then the third uh, four months of the year are on Sunday. So what are the advantages to this, Ted? Was this all worth it? Uh, will this solve our problems? <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's a pretty uh, pretty big question. I mean, one thing it will do is at least um, simplify things, because one thing about the QR code that is different from the existing setup is that the QR code, you, you can't really forge that. Because it's tied to your health card number, the, right. the proof is there once it's scanned by the business. Whereas the PDFs uh, are very easy, actually, in my opinion, to forge. So that is one big difference that I think uh, for those uh, who get the QR codes, they at least, on both sides, businesses and people, they at least have that uh, covered. But, you know, it, it remains to be seen whether or not people are going to comply both on the business side and on the consumer side. Yeah, you know, it does allow things to be more uh, efficient, I guess, but it doesn't necessarily solve the problem or the big debate that happens at the door, and I think a lot of people thought that this would. Uh, it, it, do you think there'll be a high uptake on this? I remember the uh, the app that was supposed to tell us if we were near anybody that got COVID wasn't really uh, picked up on too much. Uh, do you think since we have such a high vaccination rate, then naturally people are just going to want proof of 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 that and this there'll be a high uptake for this as long as it's easy to do yes so if it's easy enough to do then i i don't see any reason why there wouldn't be a high uptake for it especially if we see even over a brief period of time that it, it makes things easier for whenever you get into a business so for example you know you you think about like a, a hockey ticket right i mean if you have one on your phone it's just scan and you go in mm-hmm. this is not really that different uh, you, you go into a business, you know, you're showing your ID, you've got the QR code, they scan it, you're in. Um, is it going to be faster than, look, you know, someone kind of reading a name uh, and matching a name with an ID? Yeah, I'd say so, because, again, the information is there, and there's supposed to be the certainty that you're, the person that's coming in with that QR code is, in fact, the person who got the chat, which I would argue is not necessarily always the case with the current, you know, yeah, mm, yeah. the current document that that people are showing. I mean, those are not hard to forge. Tech journalist uh, Ted Kritsanis with us talking about the new app and QR codes that are uh, now available uh, if you were born January to February and roll out over the course of the weekend for everybody else. Ted, thanks so much for the time and insight. Be well. You too. Thanks Thanks for having me. There has been new news regarding the background behind Canada's deal with China to develop a vaccine and how this slowed down our vaccine rollout when the whole thing was delayed and the politics and all that kind of thing. Uh, there's sort of been a postmortem on all of this. Ian is with us now. Ian, thanks for the time. Hope you're well. I'm very well. Thank all right. You. What new information do we have now, or is this confirmation of what we already expected or suspected? Ian, I think... Uh, Scott, that it is confirmation of what those following the story strongly suspected. That is to say that there was no question, part of the information was already on the record. I mean, we knew that the Canadian government, Prime Minister had announced back a couple of years ago, he's working with China, and that they had uh, made steps and spent money on the Canadian side uh, to develop a plant, and they invested a plant to ramp up production. So all that was on the record. That wasn't news. But what is uh, crystallizing now or appears to be crystallizing, is that the story about the customs, uh, the Chinese customs are refusing, uh, uh, right. not allowing it to go, was, when I say bogus, I mean, it may be technically correct, but it begs the question, well, who stopped it? And, and as the CEO of the, com- of the Chinese company that made the vaccine said, look, it wasn't us, and we were shipping it to Russia, and we were shipping it to other countries, but we weren't we weren't allowed to ship it to your country. So there was it was clearly a political decision, I think it's fair to say, on the side of the Chinese government. And it looks now I'm a little bit of speculation, but I don't think it's that much. The decision was made after the CFO of Huawei was arrested in Vancouver. So this was retaliation by the Chinese government. How has, uh, you said earlier, uh, for those that are following, is Canada, are Canadians following this story? And how has 
how has this incident and 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 really the stall in getting uh, the vaccine to Canadians? Uh, how has this changed our relationship with China? Have we learned anything from this? I think it has because um, the court of public opinion has changed, and I mean by that in the views of Canadians. The polls are showing that. There was a poll in the Globe and Mail just this week. Um, Canadian views are becoming more negative, and they're hardening uh, towards China. And and so I don't, I believe, do not believe that the Prime Minister has uh, the degrees of uh, freedom, and I mean by that the political capital in in the country to try and seek some kind of a um, a rapprochement, uh, you know, let's kiss and make up. Uh, I don't think there's political support for that whatsoever. And so I don't think, uh, even though the ambassador to China, the Canadian ambassador appointed by Mr. Trudeau, is still out there giving speeches as recently as this week saying, hey, and yeah, some are asking him, business. let's go. And some are asking business. him to resign, Ian, because he's so pro-China. I know, I know. You're right, and I can't, I, I can't see him staying on as the ambassador because public opinion has become so negative in Canada. Normally, we don't sit around as Canadians and worry about who's the ambassador to this country or that country, but because of the baggage, because they kidnapped two Canadians, which everyone believes was a complete violation of the rule of law, in retaliation, I, I don't think Mr. Trudeau can do go forward with a positive relationship, and I don't think that the ambassador to Canadian, the Canadian ambassador, has the legitimacy to remain on the job. Uh, even there's members of the Conservative Party that are asking O'Toole to step down simply yeah. because of his hard stance on China, and people are saying that that turned off Chinese Canadians. I've heard right. people say that's just absolutely ridiculous. What are your, what are your thoughts? I I understand why he's saying that, and uh, but I think, in my view, Scott, I think there is a middle ground between the conservative position on the one hand and the liberal position on the other, mm-hmm. and and maybe I'm misstating the liberal position. I don't think I am. That they're saying, look, let's just sort of let bygones be bygones. Let's get back to normal. Let business get back to normal, and we'll get a a good you know good deal going, a good relationship going. I, I don't think that that can happen. People have memories. At the same time, I, I'm not. I'm not sure if he's if Mr. Tool is saying we can't do any business with China. If he if that's his position, or that we have to really dial back our relationship with China, I don't agree with that position either. And if it may sound I'm confused, I'm not. I think we can do. I'm going to call it low tech, and that's not to diminish agriculture, which is very important. You know, crops and wheat and barley and fish and timber and oil and gas and so forth. But they're not uh, uh, intellectually sensitive, like our artificial intelligence or items that can be used against us. Items that can be used against us to control us. Exactly. So we can do a low tech, uh, you know, a, a traditional commodities export policy with China and keep on doing that. But I can't see us uh, keeping allowing Huawei to remain in the country. I can't see us doing anything that's sensitive, anything dealing with anything that's high technology, including probably pharmaceuticals. Ian Lee has been with us. We didn't even get to the border opening, but there's next week. Uh, Ian Lee, Associate Professor, Sprott School of Business, Carleton University, talking about the relationship between Canada and China and their uh, at one time plans to produce a vaccine. Ian, as always, thank you for the time. Be well. Have a great weekend. Same to you, Scott. Thank you. The truth and only the truth. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML. Don't forget, you can find uh, the poll question of the day on our Twitter pages, asking you whether you will be involved in downloading your uh, COVID-19 certificate. Uh, We'll talk about that as well. As we bring in the roundtable, the big roundtable, Ted Michaels, Diana Weeks, and Will Weber are with us now. Thank you, crew, for uh, assembling around the big roundtable. Let's start with the poll question of the day. Uh, Obviously, earlier this morning, uh, Premier Ford announced the details of the new Ontario certificate program. There's sort of two parts to this. One's a certificate you download, so you can 
can show proof of your vaccination. The other one is Verify Ontario app, which the establishments use to verify your code. Uh, the question of the day is, uh, will you get involved in this and download it? Over 80% are saying yes. I, I, that doesn't surprise me. I think we're going to see as many download this as got the vaccine, because why wouldn't you want proof? What are your thoughts on this? Let's start with you, Diana. Yeah, I'm totally going to get it. I mean, it's a good idea to keep everything streamlined, I think, and uh, providing there's no bugs in it and uh, it works. I think it's a great way to kind of, you know, save on paper because I see a lot of people printing them out and laminating them and such. And I just think it's easier this way. And also, you know, it's it's certified by the province. So maybe there's less room for error. Ted, your thoughts? <laughs> well, I've, I've already uh, got on my phone, and I'm proud of myself for doing it, the actual copy of my certificate, So, which cool. leads me to ask, do I really have to do this mm. uh, or not? Uh, I suppose maybe at some point. I mean, I'm quite proud of myself, the fact that I actually downloaded it by myself without any help. So maybe mm. I should just leave it at that, take the award, <laughs> go, participation medal, I'm, I'm done. So... I, I don't know if that I don't know if that's going to work forever. I think once we get going, yeah. we're eventually going to switch over. But you know, my wife uh, and you know Eileen Ted, yes. uh, she downloaded the the because her birthday's in April, so she got to download it today. Now, mind you, she did it with some help from my daughter who was FaceTiming her from school, uh, <laughs> but she said it was relatively easy to do. So that's good news. And I'm surprised only because Eileen, I know, is tech savvy because of what she does. The fact that that she would need help from your daughter concerns me just a little bit. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Only because because if she needs help to do it, what about me? Then I'm yeah. You know. You know what? Then I'll be moving up the big round table and bringing up the big ra- uh, the big round couch to have to discuss this. What about you, Will? I mean, you're young. You're up for this. Does it matter to you? Sorry for that. I got a phone call there. <laughs> Are you into this? Would you download it? I have. I walked in, heard the presser, and downloaded it as soon as I could. Wow, there you go. All and right. I, I uh, got the app. I verified that it works, that it doesn't show too much information. When I scan the QR code, it's all it's very easy to do and yeah, I let, let me everything. ask you guys let me ask you guys this. Now that we've got this, and let's assume once we get to October twenty second it all works and everything's there's no real problems, will this be it? Will we solve the vaccine passport discussion finally? Will this be over? Can we move on? What are your thoughts, Ted? Oh hopefully I think we're all let's just you push this all aside. I just you know, there's there's a part, and I don't know why, maybe it's the cynical part of me, but yeah, are we expected to get like a third vaccine coming down the road because of what's going on? Booster. And, and will that yeah. now will that now <laughs> supersede what we're going to do now? I'm just throwing that, that out there. I think point. that just adds, they'll just add that to your app, because uh, it's not an app that verifies an app. They'll add this to all to it. Diana, what are your thoughts on all this? Will this solve the problem? Uh, I don't know if it'll solve the problem, but what I think will happen is that I feel like if people are just, you know, showing the app and they give the businesses that uh, other QR code, I guess, capability to scan, it takes the onus off some, you know, minimum wage workers who yeah. have never asked for this responsibility, you know, and they've had to stand there and and do this since this has been introduced. And I mean, it's not fair to them. So I think in that regard, I'm all for it. You know, that's a good point because I'm sure that they have been berated by people. Yes. And, you know, having some some kid who's in high school or in uh, university who just wants to make enough money to, you know, have yeah. a they little bit of cash. They didn't ask for that, no, you know. No. So that's a very good point. You know, we went to a local watering hole the night of the Leafs home opener. Uh, you know, okay, let's go out. Okay. I think it's like the second time we've done it as a family. <laughs> and it was sad because the place was less than half full yes. on an opening night. of, a, And you know, on any other year, it would have been jam-packed, which is it's just sad. All right. Uh, Justin Trudeau uh, now is going to visit Kamloops after missing uh, Truth and Reconciliation the very first day. Uh, does this help? Does this hurt? Will it change anything? Too little, too too late. Yeah, I agree. Sorry. It's about damn time. <laughs> yeah. But, but again, too little, too late. Why well, he's only doing this, I think, now because of all the backlash he faced. You know, I don't know why his he didn't think it would have been a good idea in the first place. And is he going to stand there and face the cameras with that Mia culpa? I'm sorry that he does <laughs> quite extensively. Yeah. I apologize. Sit down. Yeah. That being said, considering he has painted himself into a corner at this point, uh, does he have to do it? Does he have to at least show something? I, hmm. He doesn't have to do anything. I think people are beyond peeved at what he did on, you know, September Will it only 30th? draw more attention to it, maybe? 
I think people will see right through it. I what agree. it is, it's a PR stunt. It's you know, whoops, uh, I shouldn't have done that. Um, and again, again, I cannot believe that certain staff members allowed him or said, "Ah, eh, it's a good idea. Go, go. Yeah. It's all right. Go." You know, whoever really? does the PR for the PMO, yeah, <laughs> mean yeah. like, come on now, yeah, <laughs> fail. Yeah. Uh, Will, what are your thoughts? Does it make up for it? It's been five years of this crap, you know, from Aladdin <laughs> to this. No, nothing. This, this is not I forgot about that. <laughs> I didn't. Oh, man. Oh, man. All right, let's really quickly talk about uh, five more charges laid in regard to that big party uh, in the area of McMaster University. I don't want to label it as theirs. It certainly wasn't official. Only two of those students were actually Mac students. Uh, your thoughts on on this moving forward and five more charges uh, Ted well i'm 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 surprised that it's only five and i guess they have to catch i all these uh, arrests were basically based on the people that were flipping the car. But yeah. I know that there was other stuff, yobs up in trees and stuff and doing stuff that perhaps uh, should not be done. And, you know, people like, well, getting disgusting, urinating on people's lawns or other things as well. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that they lay charges, uh, more charges. But in the statement today, it said that, that basically that's it. The, the investigation is over. But, uh, boy, there were a lot of people other people that were doing stuff that uh doing things that they really should have been doing diana yeah i think that uh more arrests need to happen because like ted said yeah the flipping of the car is one thing but what about all the people that were I, and again it's gross but it happened people were defecating on people's lawns that live in the area and urinating like i mean they need to be held accountable for that as for the people that were there i mean you know that just wanted to be there because I mean, it's what maybe what you do in university, yeah, you exactly. gather, whatever. Yeah. If you're not doing anything, then fine. But, I mean, the people that took it too far, no. All right, uh, yobs and trees. Wasn't that another one-hit wonder, <laughs> uh, Ted? I'm just wondering. <laughs> All right. Uh, we have talked about this uh, over the course of this uh, global pandemic, now that we're in uh, week number 82, I think it is, of this. And, and you know, it, it's pretty tough to uh to not believe that people are going to be different coming out the other end i remember at the beginning but oh you know we can eat and drink our way through this uh it'll take a few weeks and then we're out the other end a couple months maybe uh and here we are over a year and a half later and we're still dealing with a still dealing with a fourth wave even though great news we've got uh, vaccination rates up over 85 percent so at the end of the day, does this change how you have planned a family? At the beginning of the pandemic, some said there might be a baby boom uh, because people were at home and have time, but then it dragged on and then it started to affect hospitals and healthcare and such. So has this changed couples' family pl- uh, planning? Let's bring in Dr. Brian DeFrance, Chief of Obstetrics, Gynecology at Hamilton Health Sciences and Associate Professor at McMaster University and is with us now. Doctor, thanks for the time. Hope you're doing well. Hi, Scott. Yep, yep. Thanks very much. You as well. We're seeing that Canadian population rates have dropped during this global pandemic, down to rates as low as 2006. Does this surprise you that we are where we are, considering we're in a global pandemic? Well, um, two parts to that. No, it's not surprising, Scott. But there's a little bit of a mixed picture with respect to the, the, uh, the birth rates, in fact, in fact, it doesn't surprise us because if you look at the, the sort of the general literature on, on what we expect during a crisis, it shouldn't surprise us that people put off getting pregnant at times of uncertainty. Um, and certainly we wouldn't expect anything different during this pandemic with all of the challenges uh, related to personal and family health concerns, employment, childcare, schooling, all the social supports and every aspect of daily living that you know, have been realized during the pandemic, uh, we actually wouldn't be surprised at a decrease. But it isn't a complete decrease, in fact. If you look at the, um, if you look at the provincial data, Scott, for the first year of the pandemic, there was a slight decrease initially, and then a notable decrease in, at, at the end of 2020 and the be- beginning of 2021. Those were the months that would have been the first few months of the pandemic itself in the sense that that's when people would have, those were pregnancies that would have been delivered, that would have been conceived at the beginning of the pandemic. Right. And we did see a decrease there. So people did have this hesitancy, which is consistent with what we would have expected. But in March of this year, after those first few months, the little bit of data we have 
provincially suggests that we then started to have a spike. Now, if you look at the whole year of the first pandemic, yep, there were about 4,300 less deliveries in the province than in the previous two years. But the story actually is much more interesting than that when you look at the local picture here. Because in Hamilton, if you look at that first year of the pandemic, unlike the rest of the province, we actually had an increase hmm. at McMaster University Medical Center. We had our the highest number of deliveries for the fiscal year that ended in March of this year, i.e. the first year of the pandemic, than at any other recorded period. So we were up to about 3,500 deliveries where the previous years we, for about the previous decade, we hovered around 3,300. Subsequent to that, in the following six months, so um, from April to just September past, each one of those months has seen a record number of births at McMaster, higher than in any previously recorded month. So while you're right that there is a decrease that would have been anticipated because that's what people do in a crisis, and while there is a bit of a, an increase that we're seeing in the early data from the province, the locally available data suggests that we saw an increase overall uh, in that first year of the pandemic, and we've continued to see a surge that now leads us to believe we're probably headed towards 4,200 deliveries. Remember, we were saying we were typically around 3,000, 3,200. We're headed more towards 4,200 deliveries for this particular year. That is the second year of the pandemic, 2021, head, heading into mm. 2022. So that's great news. Uh, that being said, we've only got about a minute left here. Yep. Is there ever a right time to do this? As a parent, I, you know, I oh, yeah, we got to wait till this is, in, and then, you know, things happen, life happens. What advice do you have for parents that are thinking about this? It's, it's just that. Of course, I mean, there's so many social factors, Scott, figuring into this with respect to, you know, again, all of the challenges during the pandemic. People, you know, if pregnancy is a challenge, of course, and it adds, it's, you know, it's, it's something that people do, uh, you know, want to do under the best of circumstances. And with all the uncertainty uh, that the pandemic has, you know, challenged everyone with, there's no question that people want, you know, to have all their ducks in a row and, to, and to, you know, to be able to embark on this wonderful, wonderful uh, time in their lives under the best circumstances. Dr. Brian DeFrance with us, Chief of Obstetrics and Gynecology at the Hamilton Health Sciences and Associate Professor at McMaster University, and how uh, COVID-19 has affected the birth rate in Canada. Dr. Fascinating, thanks for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Be well. Yep, you too. My pleasure, Scott. Forget about his two cents. Scott has an entire vault filled with opinions. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML. Let's bring in Reggie Cicchini, Washington correspondent for Global News, and talk about uh, former President Bill Clinton, his health, and, of course, the U.S. perspective on the border opening up November 8th. And Reggie Cicchini is with us now. Reggie, thanks for the time. Hope you're doing well. Happy Friday. Back at you. Uh, first of all, give us a bit of an update on Bill Clinton, former President Bill Clinton, who has been hospitalized. Is he stable? Is everything okay at this point? Yeah, so he he is stable, according to uh, doctors and according to aides to the former president. Uh, Bill Clinton was hospitalized uh, on Tuesday uh, after an event. Uh, uh, aides say that he had been feeling quite fatigued uh, and was ultimately uh, admitted to hospital uh, where they found uh, an infection, a urological uh, infection. He was administered uh, IV and antibiotics over the last uh, couple of days. Uh, and over the last couple of days, uh, they say that he is now uh, kind of in better spirits uh, and has been up, you know, watching TV and, and reading books and uh, actually had a phone call with uh, President Biden earlier today, according to White House aides. So a scare for the former president who himself has had uh, kind of health ailments over the last 10 or 15 years, but now doing better. Is the prognosis good moving forward at this point? Well, everything that we know, uh, yes. Uh, doctors say that they caught the infection before it was uh, able to move into what they would have determined to be septic shock. They kind of caught it as it was just turning to sepsis, uh, able to kind of uh, cut it off at the pass or head it off at the pass 
Uh, and ultimately, we don't have a day or a time for when the, the former president's going to be discharged from hospital. We understand uh, that the former first lady, the former secretary of state, Hillary Clinton, uh, has been at his side and remains at hospital with him. Uh, but, you know, considering they're not saying any immediate word on the timeline for his release, he may be uh, in intensive care for the next uh, couple of days. But doctors also say, well, he is in ICU. He's not receiving ICU treatment. It's likely just because there are more doctors that are on call and available should something happen, given uh, the kind of notable person uh, that is sitting in that hospital right now. All right. Uh, obviously, lots of chatter over the last several months about the U.S. opening its border to Canadian citizens uh, now announced that this will happen on November 8th. Obviously, Canada did this to fully vaccinated Americans back in August. Why so long to reciprocate here, Reggie? Look, I think that the United States is just trying to be uh, cautious uh, in trying to ensure that uh, that things are going to be OK, because, look, uh, well, the United States is doing better when it comes to COVID. They're still dealing with between 83 and 86,000 new cases every single day. And there's more than 60 million people in this country that are not vaccinated. So it does pose a potential threat for something to go wrong. But given the fact that uh, just a couple of weeks ago, they announced foreign nationals would be allowed to start flying in. Uh, from other countries, it was only going to be a matter of time before they dealt with how to deal with their own land borders with Canada and Mexico. What's important to remember here, Scott, is some of the reason that the, the borders remained closed was because of immigration policies at the Mexican border, and they were trying mm. to figure out how to detach one from the other. Ultimately, they were able to do that. Ultimately, we now know Canadians can come in uh, from the land border starting on November 8th. Uh, that was my next question, Reggie, the, the Mexico factor here. So are both, will both borders be opening up simultaneously in the north and the south? Yeah, so essentially what they're doing is removing the Title 19 restrictions, which stop non-essential traffic from moving across both borders. But there are additional titles under U.S. code that are going to remain in place, notably Title 42. That's going to stop asylum seekers from being able to cross the border, which has obviously been something controversial since it was implemented under the Trump administration and then extended under the Biden administration, citing a risk to American public health. Uh, so, you know, non-essential is OK, but asylum seekers won't be able to. And that really has been called out by the global community, saying that it kind of infringes on a global right to try and escape strife and start a better life somewhere else. Uh, it, it's kind of an ongoing conversation within the administration. Obviously, there's re Republican resistance to allowing certain people across the border, which opens up its own conversation. But nonetheless, with the CDC and the Department of Homeland Security able to kind of suss this out and restart non-essential travel again, it's going to be a huge boost to the U.S. economy. Uh, I remember talking to you earlier on in this pandemic, and this story wasn't a big deal for those in the U.S. It was playing more in Canada than it was here. So obviously the focus has been on uh, the southern uh, border. Is this now a big story in the U.S. today? No, the thing is that it's not, Scott. I mean, look, a couple of days ago when it was originally announced before a date was even known that the U.S. was going to kind of unlock the border, this was a big deal at home. It was the front page of every paper. Global News, Global National aired three stories in a row to talk about the significance of this. It barely registered uh, in the United States. It was kind of just a passing mention in just another COVID story uh, in the newscast. And I think it plays to two different things. Number one, uh, sometimes Canadians feel that there's kind of an outsized presence to themselves in the United States. Uh, with the United States itself doesn't really pay attention to anything that doesn't impact it at the moment. Uh, but number two, it's really only the border towns in the United States that were really pushing for this border to reopen, uh, saying that their economies were kind of dependent on it. Central parts of the United States, it wasn't really key to them. They were more interested in that foreign travel, being able to fly in and out towards places like Europe uh, and Asia. So it is a big deal for Canada. It just doesn't really register for the average American. Reggie Giacchini with us, Washington correspondent for Global News. Make sure you're watching Global News tonight for more on all of this, talking about Bill Clinton's hospitalization and the U.S. border opening up to Canadians November 8th. Reggie, as always, thanks for the time. Have a great weekend. You as well. The truth and only the truth. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML. Well, you might remember uh, in the last election, Chad Collins, city councillor, was voted to move on to MP, member of parliament, opening up a Ward 5 position. Uh, and council has decided they will fill the position through an appointment process rather than holding a by-election. And this is a term that lasts from uh, November 24th, 2021 through to uh, October 24th of 2022, which would be after the next municipal election or with the next municipal 
election. And one of the people wanting to throw his hat into the ring or considering it is former mayor of Hamilton, Larry DeAnne. And he is with us now. Larry, thanks for the time. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing very well, Scott. Thank you. So talk about this and give us the details because this is a term appointment, correct? It is a term appointment, and it's only uh, for um, uh, the duration of this current term, which ends, as you said, um, with the uh, uh, October 2022 election. Uh, And so council has decided uh, to have an appointment rather than a by-election, because if they had had a by-election that some people wanted, quite frankly, um, a, they, uh, the by-election would have been sometime in March. And so uh, the, the relatively short period of time between March and October 22nd made it more prudent uh, to, um, to have an appointment rather than a by-election. So why do you want to jump back in? And I mean, again, it's a bit different because it's kind of get, you know, you're only in there for a certain period of time and then, and then you move on. But what's, what's making you want to do this? I mean, obviously the passion is still there. Well, so I haven't, uh, I haven't finally decided whether to go ahead or not. I'm certainly considering it and receiving uh, both encouragement and, if you believe the Twitter messages that I'm getting, uh, discouragement. Yeah, what uh, are you, well. nuts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's why I selected Fly Me to the Moon, because I, I feel somewhat like William Shatner, you know, going into <laughs> space at, at 90 years old, although I'm... 20 years younger than he is, uh, or thereabouts, um, you know, it is, it is uh, a final uh, adventure, perhaps, uh, politically. So, so to be serious about it, though, um, you know, they, they pretty well said that they want someone who's a former politician that would hit the ground running, who knows the process uh, and knows the issues and has kept himself or herself abreast. Uh, and I certainly um, fit that profile. I've also represented uh, that part of the riding. I live in Stony Creek. Um, I represented that part of the riding, obviously, as mayor, but also when I was councillor, both for Stony Creek and Hamilton. Uh, the easternmost uh, um, part of that riding was part of my ward. Uh, my kids went to elementary school and secondary school in Ward 5. My in-laws live there, and I look after uh, their their home now. My mother from there weekly putting out garbage and so on. So I, I am part of the fabric of that writing, and I think I could contribute. Now, I don't want to get ahead of the process here. It's council's decision, and they'll decide whom to appoint. And if I do apply, it may or may not be me. Uh, you know, obviously, I've been very critical of politicians over the years and such, but I, I've been out at enough functions to see what politicians do, whether it's at the provincial, federal, or, or especially at, at at the municipal level. It's a tough gig. It's very demanding. It demands a lot of your time. How does that yeah. play into all of this? Well, it does, quite frankly. I mean, I, I'm blessed uh, uh, with uh, with the, the life that I have. Um, I work very hard. I as you know, I retired as a secondary school principal. I had a political career. Um, I did 30 years in education, 25 years in, in politics. Please do not add those numbers. Most of those years were concurrent. Um, but but um, uh, so I, I'm blessed to have a good life where um, I, I've done a little bit of business. I do uh, lots of volunteering uh, and it's tranquil and peaceful. Uh, but duty sometimes calls, right? And uh, and this is a situation where, for a short period of time, I'm not interested in uh, in challenging uh, the 2022 election. Uh, we'll leave that up to other people. But for a short period of time, uh, if they need someone, as they did when Bob Morrow was appointed, yeah, I remember that, uh, yeah, Bernie Morelli's death, uh, or when Donna Skelly uh, um, uh, was uh, was made MPP, and uh, and uh, there was an appointment there as well. So a number of times appointments have occurred and i happen to have the experience and the geography that the very least should uh, have council consider me should i put my name forward so obviously perfect timing it would be a good little gig for you larry you're certainly more than qualified but i want to clarify would this be a stepping stone to maybe getting back into the mayor's chair or is you know no no, you're just doing your part here yeah no i've done that i've been there uh this is not a stepping stone i don't have I don't have political uh, 
um, you know, uh, a to-do list. Uh, um, I, I want to contribute. Um, I, as I said uh, when I was asked earlier this week that uh, um, I would be, uh, can I do the job? Of course. Uh, am I interested beyond 2022? No. Um, I'd be engaged. I'd be collaborative and I'd be humble. I wouldn't go there thinking that I know all of the answers, but I want to contribute to some of the uh, problems that and challenges that any municipality has. And I think I can do that for the next 10 months if I gain, if I decide to apply, and if council does appoint. Uh, I don't want to get too personal here, Larry, but what does the fam say? What, what, what does the well, homestead say you know, about all this? You know, when, I, when I broke it to my wife, I had to duck the frying pan, <laughs> and and and, and uh, but but she's supportive. You know, she stood by me uh, for many many years, um, and so whatever you wish, uh, I'll be there to support. Um, my kids, uh, interesting. Uh, my boys um, uh, said yes. My uh, my daughters-in-law uh, said, you know, do you really want to do this? So they were a little more uh, concerned about about that. My granddaughter, uh, who just started grade nine, had the most interesting response. She said, wait a minute, does that mean I'll be recognized if you do accept or if you do accept? <laughs> so she, she had a very personal perspective on the whole issue. And would she become more popular? I had to break the news to her that maybe less popular. Oh, yeah. you. <laughs> That's true. Now, are there other members of your family who have political aspirations? Any of the grandkids? Any of the kids that are sort oh, of interested no, so in the this? Grandkids, the grandkids are from six months to 14 years old. So they're yeah. a little young uh, for that. Although, although my two oldest ones, uh, my 14-year-old and my 11-year-old, are certainly are aware of what I've done. And certainly are aware of politics. And during the federal election, we had some actually interesting discussions about that because they had a different political perspective than, than I did. Hmm. Uh, so it was, it was fun talking to them and understanding that they're, they're relatively young, but it was fun to see them uh, and their interest. Um, I have, uh, I have uh, three children, two sons and a daughter. Uh, one son actually worked uh, in political circles. Um, he was uh, both uh, uh, a, um, a an assistant to the uh, uh, Premier McGinty and Premier Wynn, um, and so he, he knew his way around Queen's Park. Uh, but I think he saw sort of the underbelly of politics, and he's more interested in the policy side rather than the hmm. political side. My other two are doing other careers, and they're quite happy doing that. So who knows? Larry Deany with his former mayor of Hamilton contemplating uh, taking a term uh, job as a uh, replacement for Chad Collins uh, in Ward 5 until the next municipal election. Larry, whatever you decide to do, good luck to you and all the best. Thank you very much, Scott. Appreciate that. Scott Radley, host of the Scott Radley Show, coming up after the 6 o'clock news and columnist with your Hamilton Spectator. He is with us now. Scott, thank you for the time. I hope you're doing well. It's Friday. Who could not be doing well? I'm hearing you. Uh, let's start with who's on the show tonight, because we always forget that. We run out of time. It is, uh, well, Friday is always the brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio, we call it. We do all kinds of stuff. And Annette Hom from CHC is going to be joining me today to tackle the issues that we've been discussing all week. All right, sounds good. A couple of things I wanted to uh, ask you, and that was Justin Trudeau now saying he's going to uh, go to Kamloops after missing the Truth and Reconciliation, the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. Uh, your thoughts on this now? Does this help? Does this hurt moving forward? Does he have to do this? Um, okay, so he goes now, and we are supposed to now think, I suppose, that he really feels it and he really means it. I mean, I'm sure we're going to get the pictures of him crying and kneeling. And like the problem that he has with this now, based on what he's done is I don't think people except those who are the absolute acolytes for whom nothing he does can possibly be wrong. I don't think anyone else who is going to see this is going to be anything but cynical about it. it, it what's going to happen now is what should be, an important moment when the prime minister goes there is going to look like nothing more than a make good pre-staged photo op because PR was against him for not going. And, you know, the issue is a serious issue. And what is going to happen now, because you're just, 
I think in the eyes of most people trying to show what I did, you know, I, I really do mean it. No, no I don't think anyone's going to buy it, Scott. I think that's a problem. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a problem. It's going to look shallow. Yeah, there, there's no win situation for him because it's something that, yes, he still has to do. Uh, but either, no matter what he does here, it, it certainly will just draw attention to the to to what happened initially. It'll be interesting to see how he does position this and uh, if he does somehow make amends as opposed to just uh, uh, digging the hole deeper. Do you think he will run again? Do you think that's it for him? He's done. I've said this um right after the election, and I, and I still believe this. Is, do you remember in the French language debate, um, he said, and we were taking translation, but that you know if he doesn't get a majority, they, we could be back to the polls in 18 months. Yeah. Um, if, if there is another election in short order, I could see him still being around and still running again. But I, I, don't, I, I can't imagine that if this government serves its full four-year term, I can't imagine that he's going to be around again as the leader. I just can't. But but in a short term, maybe. I mean, the question is going to be always, Scott, is, um, you know, the in-party in polling, what does it show? And if, you know, if in six months, 12 months, it shows that, all you know, whatever mistakes and whatever was said on the campaign trail and feelings and, you know, the sense that there seemed to be that he was, you know, once the, the star of the Liberal Party was now somewhat of a drag on the party, if that's gone and if, if Canada is loving Justin Trudeau again, great. But you know what? Even if we go to the polls in 18 months, if the party polling shows we're in trouble and it's this, this is the reason, he may not even have that choice. It's interesting because Christia Freeland seems to be making a lot more appearances lately and coming forward to speak for the government as Deputy Prime, uh, Prime Minister. Yep. Yeah, and and you know, look, when um, uh, we've seen people in other governments who get strapped with the tag of being the right-hand person of someone who's become unpopular, we're seeing campaign ads for it right now with Stephen Del Duca in Ontario as being Kathleen Wynne's right-hand man. Yeah, yeah, uh, of, yeah. Of attaching one person to the unpopularity of someone else, and so you know, is Christia Freeland? going to be able to shed that and beyond that you know go back to the mulrooney kim campbell era you know you you may have thought oh kim campbell's a fresh new face there are times when depending on what happens and i'm not saying bad things are going to happen but if bad things were to happen the unpopularity of the party could drag down the leader no matter how popular or fresh or whatever that person is so who knows Scott Radley's been with us. Make sure you're listening after the 6 o'clock news tonight for more of the Scott Radley Show and read his column in the Hamilton Spectator. Scott, as always, thanks so much for the time. Have a great weekend. And he's gone. All right, it is 5.56. Uh, that is a wrap for the show. Thanks for listening. As always, greatly appreciated. Thanks to Will and Ted and Diana for contributing today. Uh, coming up next, it's the CHML Afternoon News at 6 o'clock, then the Scott Radley Show. As always, we leave it to you, the good CHML listener, to get up on top of the soapbox and have the last word. It is yours, Tom. Hey, I've downloaded my COVID QR um, uh, thingy. Can I order a pizza with this thing or, or what? Pizza? Yeah.